All right, good morning. Thank you, Russell. Good to see you guys. Glad to be back. Uh, man, we have a pretty good bullpen here, though, right? Like Chad, Daryl, Cade, Zach. I'm really thankful uh, to serve with a group of brothers that can preach and uh, teach and handle the word accurately and correctly. And it, I'm, I'm just grateful. And so I hope it was a blessing to you. Uh, I know it was a blessing to me to watch from afar, and I'm, I'm grateful for each of them. We're going to be in uh, Galatians chapter 5 this morning, Galatians chapter 5, 13 to 25. I want to show you this, like this is a page in my Bible that has fallen out, not because I've preached it to people so many times, but because I have to preach this to myself so many times. These two sections, the one that Cade preached last week and the one that uh, I'll be preaching today are significant. I think they're significant uh, for our practical way of living uh, every day. And so um, before we start, I just want to give you a moment to quiet yourself before the Lord. uh, Ask Him to speak to you uh, in just the way that you need to hear today. Father, there is um, no one we need to hear from except you in these moments. And so I pray that you would, for each one of us, open our ears that we might hear the things that you have for us to hear today. Um, Speak to us by by your spirit through the truth of your word uh, in ways that are transformational, God. keep us from just gaining information and, and use this to, to transform our lives. Let us be different because we encountered you today together. Um, we give this, these moments to you and uh, we just say, have your way with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, would you stand with me? We'll read Galatians chapter 5, 13 to 25. If you're our guest, uh, we say this phrase, the very words, uh, just to distinguish uh, my words from the word of God. Also, if you're our guest and you've been visiting, my name's Pastor Brian. I go to church here and uh, they told me I had to fill out a visitor's card when I came in and uh, I didn't. I just kept walking. So uh, Galatians chapter 5, 13 to 25. Here's what it says. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, 
fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You can be seated. Pastor Cade's <clears throat> message last Sunday from Galatians chapter 5, 1 to 12, really screamed one theme, and that was don't lose gospel freedom by giving into legalism. Our text today, this week, screams don't abuse gospel freedom by giving into licentiousness. And some of you are thinking, what is licentiousness? Well, <clears throat> it's the action of our life, even as Christians, that is based on a subtle belief that we love to sin. How many of you know we love to sin? And God loves to forgive so we can give in to our desire to sin and not really worry about it because he's going to forgive us and we stop fighting. We use our freedom in the gospel to abuse the grace of God. But what Paul teaches us here and what he was teaching the church at Galatia is that we aren't freed to sin like sometimes our, our, our actions and our behavior want to, to illustrate. But instead we are freed to love. Galatians 5, 13 to 14 says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh just because you've been saved and you've been promised the glory of heaven and, and, and the grace of God is good. Don't use that freedom as an opportunity of the, for the flesh, but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I really think it's interesting that everything else that comes in this passage of scripture is framed after that. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You have been freed to love. And what does that look like? Well, Paul describes a couple things to us that we need to understand, I think, today. The first is that we all experience a tension between the flesh and the spirit. Anybody ever used to watch uh, Tom and Jerry? Anyone? Come on, raise your... That's where I started hating cats back then. Uh, but, sorry, it's all the cat people. Uh, but d there was an episode where, uh, I'm not sure now if it was Tom, I think it was Tom, had an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other shoulder, and they were talking back and forth, wooing him in one direction, the direction of, the, of good or the direction of evil. And sometimes I think of that when we come to this particular uh, passage of Scripture because we all experience a tension between the flesh and the spirit that the cartoonist was making fun of uh, in those old Tom and Jerry cartoons. 
Um, yet, even though we all experience this tension between the flesh and the spirit, we're encouraged to walk by the spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we have to realize the tension is there, but we're encouraged to walk by the spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now that word desires in the Greek, if you sort of begin to uh, unpack its meaning, is an over-desire or an over-craving of the things of the flesh. And these things are against the things of the Spirit. So walking in the Spirit is not gratifying the sinful desires of the flesh. And that is difficult. That is hard. Don't just take my word for it or your life's testimony for it, but let's take the Apostle Paul's own testimony. He writes in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Anyone ever been there? Romans chapter 7, verse 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Anyone ever felt like that? Romans chapter 7, verse 19. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Anyone ever feel like that? Uh, So you're not alone. The tension is real. Even the Apostle Paul uh, felt this tension and struggled with the tension between the flesh and the spirit. And while you have in Christ been saved from your sins and promised glorification or uh, heaven and eternity with Jesus, there is this working out of our salvation with our, our salvation with fear and trembling over time that is sanctification. It's the walking it out. And that's the part that we are living in now. So we all experience the tension between the flesh and the spirit. And the second thing we learn is that the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit are very different. <clears throat> Look at verses 19 to 23. Again, I'll read these. This is a, one of several different catalog, catalogs of these kinds of uh, characteristics, both of the flesh and of the Spirit that are in the Scripture. But I'll, I'll read them to you again. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. <clears throat> and this will be this will be this is common to humanity and this will be evident to you sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy fits of anger rivalries dissensions divisions envy drunkenness orgies and things like these now this is the beginning of what is you know, he, he ends it with, and things like these. Like, there are other things besides what I've just listed here. But these are the works of the flesh. And the works of the flesh, if you look at those, you'll recognize very clearly that the works of the flesh wreck relationships in every direction. They wreck a sanctified relationship with God. When people are Christians, especially, remember that this is written to believers at the church of Galatia. So when Christians who know God, but then are walking in the flesh, are living out the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, sensuality, all those things, they distance from God, they isolate from God, they hide from God. 
and it, 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 it creates a perceived or felt chasm between someone and God. They know God, but they're walking in, in the flesh. It, 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 for them, wrecks that relationship. It's not as if God has stopped loving them, but that relationship is marred because of their disobedience over and over and over again. And we've probably all found ourselves in situations like that, hopefully for short seasons, some for long seasons, but the works of the flesh wreck relationships in every direction. So not just with God, but with our, with our people, with the people that we're closest to in our marriage relationships, in our friendship relationships, in our workplace and neighborhood relationships. Remember, all this was, was started when Paul said, hey, you're not freed to sin, you're freed to love. So love your neighbor as yourself. Works of the flesh characterized like these really wreck relationships in every direction. And, and we know that. I think that's why we have to have ministries like Living Water Biblical Counseling Ministry. Because people, God, God's people struggle with works of the flesh. It's a tension. And it's dangerous and it hurts. It wrecks relationships in every direction. Those are the works of the flesh. Now, Paul goes on to say uh, that there are also the, the fruit of the Spirit. And, and, you know, when we think about uh, works of the flesh, this is the doing, but he uses a very different word. He doesn't say works of the Spirit. He says fruit of the Spirit. And this is the kind of thing that happens in a person's life when they begin to abide with Jesus for a long period of time day in and day out. Tim Keller said that Christian growth is gradual, but the Spirit's fruit is inevitable. Christian growth is gradual, but the Spirit's fruit is inevitable. Meaning, if you come to Christ as a 25-year-old, by the time you're 26, you may not be fully mature in Christ. It's gradual. Our own lives prove this. If you've been walking with Christ for any length of time, have you ever thought to yourself, uh, self, I, I thought you'd be more sanctified by now. I thought you'd be holier by now. Uh, it's gradual, but when walking with God for a long period of time, just like Keller uh, illustrates here, um, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is inevitable. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is this. It's almost opposite of the works of the flesh. But what comes from abiding with Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law according to the the scripture. Now, what I find is exactly true what Paul said, that the works of the flesh are against the spirit. For instance, how quickly does the enemy try to rob your joy by using works of the flesh? Right? How quickly does the enemy try to wreck your peace with dissensions and rivalries. It, he's 
really good at it. The, the works of the flesh are against the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is inevitable when we abide in Christ. And the fruit of the Spirit, opposite of the works of the flesh, the, the fruit of the Spirit actually sows loving relationships in every direction. So the only way the fruit of the Spirit is born in your life is by spending time with God. That's the simplicity of it. And when you spend time with God, your relationship with God is furthered. You grow, grow closer to Him. You're not isolating. You're not hiding from Him because you're craving works of the things of the flesh, but you're craving the Spirit and things of the Spirit. You want to be with Him, and so you're drawing nearer to Him. It sows a loving relationship with God, but also uh, the fruit of the Spirit sows loving relationships in every direction with our people, in our marriage relationships, in our friendship relationships, in our community relationships, with our neighbors, with our co-workers, because the fruit of the Spirit inevitable in our life as we walk with Jesus, in fact, comes out of us. Love in action, joy in action, peace in action, all those things. Now, I have three daughters, two of which are getting old enough to get married, which scares the stuff out of me. Anybody been there? Is it just me? It's like, you know, we're getting there. And, uh, you know, know, I, I thought I would say this for all of you that are in that boat maybe just for for me do you know how to know if someone that you're thinking about yoking your life to is worth it watch for works of the flesh or fruit of the spirit just watch you can tell over time I mean, what, what, what comes out of the, that person's life? Is it sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality? Are they a sorcerer? Don't marry a sorcerer. Uh, are they full of enmity, strife? Is there a lot of jealousy there? Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, drunkenness, all these things. Or is there love, joy, peace, patience? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's how you know. In fact, this is also how you know if someone is walking with Christ in general. You know, a lot, any, everybody can say, I'm a Christian. Anybody can say that, right? I mean, anybody can say, I'm a Christian. I love God. You don't know in the South, in the United States of America, because our culture for so long has driven, I'm a, I, I love God. Here's how you know. Watch what comes out. Is it the works of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit? That's how you know who's walking with Jesus. Very obvious, very apparent. You don't have to be uber discerning. You simply just have to watch and observe a person's life over over time. You know, it's it's, it's, uh, easy to understand the list it's harder to think about how do you live this out. And we have a part in this relationship with Jesus and our growth. That's what I want to talk about just for a few minutes here. God has done his part. 
He has done his work on the cross to bring us salvation, to free us from our sin. He has gifted us the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. He will fulfill all his promises. He has done his part. But sometimes people think Christian maturity just happens like by osmosis or something. Like like you, you just wake up one day and you're finally mature. I got to tell you, that is not how it works. I've been a Christian a long time now, you know. I, I, I think now at 49, I, thought, I often think, I thought I would be more mature, <laughs> mature by now, more sanctified by now. More, it, it doesn't work just because, because you think God's just going to do something magic in your life and you're going to be, set, you know, this mature, godly person and, and all of a sudden one day. Instead, there's, there's a process to it, and Paul alludes to it here. The first part of that is what I'm just going to call the process of daily mortification, uh, daily dying to self. Look at verse 24 of this, this passage. It says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So what, what I want you to do, because I think so many people come to this text and they think, well, that's something that happened for me, and so I, I, I should be uh, good now. And in, in a sense, by the grace of God, you have been forgiven, and you have all this promise ahead of you. But in your daily walk, crucifixion of the flesh is not something done to us. It's something done by us. You realize that, like you have a part. We are the agents of this crucifixion daily. The process of mortification is the daily putting to death of the desires of the flesh. Now there's a good chance you're going to have desires of the flesh this afternoon, tomorrow, the next day. It's a daily process of mortification. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 6 verse 12 to 14. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. If you listen to the language, what he's saying, like how do you crucify the flesh every day? It's intentionality. Let not sin reign. That means I have a responsibility to not allow sin to reign in my life. That's my call. My choice. It's not something magic that's going to happen to me this afternoon or tomorrow because Jesus died on a cross. All of a sudden, I have no desire for the flesh. Though, I have the responsibility to let not sin, therefore, reign in my mortal body. It says, do not present the members of your body to sin, your head, your heart, your hands, your feet, all of it. Do not present it to sin. Do not engage in the works of the flesh with with the parts of your body. Because we are apt to do so, he's saying, hey, do do the right thing. 
And instead of presenting your body to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, instead be very intentional about presenting yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. So instead of giving my head, my heart, my hands, and my feet to sin and works of the flesh, then I need to give my head, my heart, my hands, and my feet to God. Show up and present myself to Him so that I can walk by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. Because I'm going to be tempted and I'm going to feel the tension between the work of the flesh and the work of the Spirit this afternoon. It's intentionality. It's our part. It's something that we have to do. And I really believe a lot of Christians don't grab that. They don't think about, hey, this, the, I have a part to play here. And it's a discipline of daily mortification. There is also, verse 25 says that there is a discipline of living by the Spirit. So look at what it says, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now in Galatians 5, there are uh, five verbs, no, four verbs used to describe our part in the relationship with the Spirit. Verse 16, it says we need to walk by the Spirit. Verse 18, it says we need to be led by the Spirit. Verse 25, it says we need to live by the Spirit. Verse 25, it says we need to keep in step with the Spirit. And what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? To walk with anyone is to be in relationship with them. To walk side by side is to know them and hear them and walk with them and walk in the direction that they are going. And this is a daily walk. It is a daily pursuit of the Holy Spirit. It says that we are to be led, meaning we need to hear and we need to see the direction of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need to hear His voice and we need to see his direction, and we need to be led by him. We need to follow him. Your focus is the Spirit's leading. I mean, how much in your life are you led by yourself and your flesh versus being led by the Spirit? It says we need to live by the Spirit, meaning our entire way of living, everything that we are, our whole life, is empowered by the Spirit and enthralled with the Spirit and His purposes and His personality and His passions. It says that we need to keep in step with the Spirit. Now that, that terminology is, is a uh, military term meaning to walk or to march carefully with the Spirit. That His cadence is the tone that sets our march and we walk in step. We keep in step with him. Ask yourself this question. Are you in step with the spirit of God? Jesus thought it was really important that we have the spirit of God as our guide. He said in, in the book of John that it's better for him to go away in a sense of the right hand of the Father because he would send the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit would be our counsel and our guide. And because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we would do things even, even greater than what we saw Jesus do when he walked the planet. Is your life in step with the Spirit? I mean, how do you even do that, right? This, this I mean... I, I think you must grow weary of hearing me say this. But 
This is the only way. Daily, daily you have to pray and read your Bible. Daily you have to pray and read your Bible. Why? Well, it's through the word of God that you're going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people are looking for a lot of ethereal ways of hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does speak many ways, but the clearest way that he speaks is through his word. If we never read the Bible, we are out of step with the Spirit, period. That's it. If we're to keep in step with the Spirit, if we are to, to practice the process of daily dying to ourselves, we need to, to hear the Word daily. We need to read the Word daily. And we need to pray. And this is all for, get this, for relationship and obedience, not for information. A lot of people are, uh, like to talk about how much they know about the, the Bible. I mean, there's interesting stuff. There's a lot of interesting stuff. A lot of theories that we can look at and think about related to creation and the end times and how things work and, you know, all those kinds of things. But the most important thing about reading the Bible and prayer is the relationship that you establish daily with your Father as He speaks to you by the Holy Spirit. Literally, He will meet with you. You don't have to wait to gather here, but he will meet with you. And that is our daily call. If we're going to walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, we're going to have to pray and read the Bible for relationship and, and seek to obey it, not just for information. It's in your time together that the Spirit bears fruit in opposition to your flesh. That's when it happens. It's the 30 minutes yesterday and the hour today and the 40 minutes tomorrow and that the fruit is born. I saw a funny uh, meme. It had a, had a walrus and the walrus was doing this. And, he, and the, the caption was like, me checking for abs after one day of CrossFit. <laughs> right? I mean, that's how we think, like, I read my Bible once, I should be good. It doesn't work that way. The Spirit bears fruit with our consistency over time as we meet with Him and develop and hear Him and obey Him. You know, the more you obey Him, the more fruit is born. It is, it is, is simple. Your, your salvation is not based on your works, but your relationship is forged in obedience with, to God. If you want to keep in step with the Spirit, you're going to have to pray and read your Bible daily for transformation, for relationship, with the desire to obey what the Spirit speaks to you through His Word. And over time, your life is more and more characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. Hopefully, the people walking with Christ for the longest time in our church are the most mature because they've been meeting with Jesus day in and day out. For years. There is the or not, right? Or not. No time with the Spirit 
no obedience to his direction, constantly feeding the cravings of the flesh, that yields a lifetime, life that over time is more and more characterized by the works of the flesh. That's just uh, how, how it works according to the, the scripture. What you give yourself to is what will, what will come out. So my call to you today is to consider your life. To do a quick analysis here and to take this passage of scripture home with you and dwell on it. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about your own life. Is it characterized by the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? You will know that. The Holy Spirit will tell you that if you ask him that question. Consider your life. If you've been a Christian a long time, are you more and more in step with the Spirit? Or are you more and more given over to, the, to, to your own fleshly desires over time? That will tell you if you're in step with the Spirit or not. Is the fruit of the Spirit there or are you more given over to fleshly desire? If you're a new Christian, remember growth is gradual and it comes as you hear and obey. And I would encourage you as a new Christian to start in step with the Spirit. Start that way. I mean, just get that just as normal as breathing air is reading your Bible and praying for the Christian, for the one who follows Jesus, for the disciple who hears and obeys, for the one who keeps in step with the Spirit. That is a different way of living than just joining a church. It's a different way of living than just saying, I'm a Christian and I, I, I try to do good stuff. It's, it's framed in um, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit by daily dying to yourself and daily practicing the discipline of listening to him daily like you breathe and drink. Right? So ask the Lord to speak to you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, would you uh, just pour out your spirit on us now? Uh, have compassion on us where we need compassion. Convict us of sin where we need conviction. And woo us um, back to you, uh, closer to you, Father. Uh, for all my brothers and sisters who claim Christ as Savior and Lord, God, I pray that you would help them to take this passage seriously and to understand their part and to walk with you, to keep in step with you, to be led by uh, you, by your spirit. Um, give us a good desire for the things of the spirit that is greater than our desire for things of the flesh. Forgive us when we've sinned against you or other people. 
fill us with your spirit fresh and new today. Thank you for the freedom that comes in the gospel of Jesus. Thank you that you've freed us not to sin, but to love and help us to love you really well and love people like you do. We love you so much. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done for us, and for the promises of our future uh, in Christ. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.